My friends, today to you, it's Joel here with the band for King and Country, and you are listening to On Faith's Edge with Joe Taylor. Keep it right here. And at that moment, when she dropped that razor blade into my hands, uh, she was really dropping into the arms of Jesus. And her youth leader came up, and they just wept and collapsing each other's arms. And her friends came up. There's this huddle in the middle of 6,000 teenagers right up front while Lincoln Brewster is leading in worship. And then that same girl, Haley, went back and started a ministry for cutters. Love that accent, Joel. Love that accent. Thank you so much for the introduction. Uh, Joel Smallbone was on the show a few episodes back to discuss his movie, Priceless. It's a, it's a story about a man, his, uh, his discovery of human trafficking. And wow, what a movie it is. Very, very well done. You can hear our conversation with Joel at onfaithsedge.com slash 72. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 72. Well, hello. Welcome to the 79th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Today, we welcome speaker, author, and pastor, Greg Steer. Greg has a reputation for coming alongside youth ministries to help them reach today's teens in very unique and effective ways. Because of his 25-plus years in youth ministry, Greg is widely viewed as an authority on teen issues and adolescent spirituality. Greg was raised in a violent inner-city family of bodybuilders. He didn't have a dad and never felt like he measured up because his biceps weren't quite big enough. But one by one, he saw his tough, urban family of thugs come to know Christ, and that ignited a passion in Greg to see all lost people come to know Jesus. In today's conversation, we're going to dig deep into why do teenagers wane from their faith as they move into adulthood? How did growing up fatherless in a violently abusive home shape Greg's faith? How important are personal stories when evangelizing? Greg will share with us his ask, admire, and admit method of sharing faith. We're going to talk about the impact of high-energy live events, especially in light of the upcoming Dare to Share live event on September 23rd. We're going to hear all about that and the Dare to Share ministry. And Greg will share the most sincere salvation prayer I've ever heard. In today's church, youth ministry seems to be a stepping stone to a more prominent uh, leadership role. You've been in youth ministry for 25 years. Now, we know that you spent some time as, as, a, uh, as a church pastor, and then you went into youth ministry. What drove you to youth ministry? Well, a couple of things. Number one, teenagers come to Christ quicker. They spread the gospel faster than adults. And while I was pastoring, I was kind of running uh, this youth ministry called Dare to Share on the side uh, here in the Denver area, and the Columbine High School shooting took place on April 20th, 1999, and that day just traumatized the nation when Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold came into Columbine High School and, and took 13 lives and turned the guns on themselves. But, you know, it also stunned me and my wife, who's a public school teacher in the same district as Columbine High School. And God used that really as a wake-up call to me to say, you know, I need to focus on reaching this next generation full-time. And so that's when I resigned to, to pursue mobilizing, reaching, equipping, and unleashing young people with the gospel of Christ. 
what is it about young people do you think that that brings them to a more to a uh, to accepting Christ in a in a in a more fervent passionate way well one of the things i think about teenagers is they they're thinking about the big questions of life oftentimes you know why am i here uh, am i really loved you know is is there a, is a purpose beyond this life is there heaven is there hell is there you know what those questions are swirling in their minds and swirling in their souls. And Christianity really, you know, offers answers to the problem of pain and suffering uh, and purpose and life. And when students really get that uh, and put their faith in Christ, there is a transformation and a, you know, an energy that just surges through them to tell their friends that good news. So I think the teen years the you know, when they're children, it's a great time to reach people with the hope of, Jesus Christ. You know, here at our here at our local church, um, we have a a very vibrant youth ministry, but we have had some rock solid youth pastors, uh, teenage magnets is what they were. Uh, uh, but it seems that they the the teenagers were are so involved in church and passionate about God. And then they leave the youth ministry, they go into college or they go into the workforce. And it seems that that faith just wanes. What is, what can, what can the church do to, to continue that faith into adulthood? Well, I think a couple of things. And I, I believe that when students begin to really share their faith uh, as young people, because a lot of times, like what you said, you know, the church had great rock star youth leaders. It's what I call a quarterback approach to youth ministry. You know, come, come out, kids, come to youth group, and just watch me throw the touchdown pass. Watch me share Christ with your friends that you brought. Watch me, you know, do the talk and, and deliver the goods spiritually. And what happens is, I think when we have that kind of approach, once kids leave the stadium, so to speak, and stop watching the quarterback, they can find, hey, there's, um, there's other stuff out there other than just coming and watching somebody else do that and they can get sucked up into the world system especially at college when they're kind of untethered from mom and dad and church because their faith has not become their own so what we talk about at dare to share is instead of having a a quarterback approach to youth ministry have a coaching approach to youth ministry in other words i'm going to equip you to live your faith and share your faith and this week when you're at school i want you to engage uh, your faith. I want you to bring gospel, uh, the gospel up. I want you to talk to people about the Lord. And I want you to come back next week uh, with with stories that we can share, good, bad, and ugly. And all of a sudden, then youth ministry changes from watching a youth leader you know, coordinate games and lead a lesson, watching the worship band lead worship, to a participation sport where your youth leader is a coach, not just a quarterback. And so I think important to equip youth leaders how to lead that way because that's how jesus led uh he he you know obviously did miracles and he taught but he also sent his disciples out uh to to share the good news of christ and coach them along the way and that's what we need to get to with our our young people very very similar similarly greg uh i believe in in large youth events uh, in fact, you've got one. You've got one coming up called Dare to Share Live. My all of my kids have been through the Big Stuff Ministry. You're familiar with the oh, Big yeah. Stuff Ministry, yep. correct? Uh, yeah. Have you have you ever have you ever spoken? I've never spoken there, spoken but yeah, I've heard nothing but good about event? Big Stuff. 
It's not it's not for the faint of heart, believe me. Right. <laughs> the Mennonites would not do well in this environment. But they the you you have the you have these big events and when you're when you're in those events and I and I've gone to a couple of them with my with my own kids and with the with the with the teenage group at church. Uh, when you go to these events, you think these kids are on fire. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, and similarly to what, to the question before, how do we take, how do we take this, ev- this event atmosphere and at least take a little bit of that to their, to their everyday life? Yeah, that's a great question. And that is um, a big challenge that we're really seeking to solve at dare to share. So, Dare to Share Live, we're going to be doing a full day of evangelism training and outreach. Uh, it's a live simulcast event that's going to be based in Denver. We have 59 venues so far across the United States that all have worship bands and MCs, um, and it's going to feel like a live event in every room. And the students will be mobilized to share the gospel that afternoon. They're going to actually have a Dare to Share Live app. They can upload gospel conversations, starting videos to their friends, and then they're going to come back after this two and a half hour outreach to collect canned food for a local rescue mission uh, and share Christ, they're going to come back and share stories and hear stories across the nation. And we're going to have a nationwide dance party, praise party from coast to coast in one day. So you talk about big event, think of 50,000 kids getting trained, equipped. Um, That's what we're praying for. And that's what we're pushing for Now, what about after? So uh, we're going to have a four week webinar series for the youth leaders to train them and equip them to keep the fire going. So think of Dare to Share Live as seed chucking class. We're going to train them to, you know, chuck the seeds of the gospel, to share that message, to spread that hope. And we're going to train youth leaders in the four-week webinar following uh, how to build a greenhouse. So those seeds, you know, take root and multiply. Uh, So it's a parable of the sower. You know, when Jesus said to his disciples, you're going, to, you're going to go out there, you're going to throw seeds, some are going to land on the path, and not really believers, some are going to land on, on hard ground and not take root, you know, indicate faith in Christ but not grow because they're not discipled. Some land on the ground begin to grow but get choked out by the world system, and some produce 30, 60, uh, and 100-fold. So what we say at Dare to Share is you want to go with the growers and pray for the others and keep chucking seeds. Uh, and in addition to that, you want to build a greenhouse so that it it takes root and multiplies. So that's what we're going to be doing on, on uh, September 23rd and the four weeks to follow to keep that fire going as much as possible. How do, how, how are you engaging parents and, and, uh, or, or caretakers, uh, in this event? So this event is designed for youth leaders, but we also encourage youth leaders uh, to bring a massive amount of adults and leaders. Usually we have one to five, one adult uh, for every five students. And so we have a lot of parents that participate in this. We also have tons of online resources and tools that are completely available for moms and dads and youth leaders to use with their own kids uh, to mobilize post events. So it's not just one and done. Gotcha. Gotcha. You, you brought up Columbine earlier. Uh, that Columbine was was uh, uh, one of the catalysts for you to become passionate about youth ministry. Is that right? Yeah, I was doing Dare to Share, but kind of on the side. I was pastoring this church, and I thought, man, I, I'm passionate about the local church, but I'm also passionate about teenagers. So I started Dare to Share, and 
was planning on just doing both, you know, kind of preaching on Sundays and then traveling on Fridays and Saturdays, training and equip students who dare to share. It seemed like it was working out pretty well. But then when the Columbine High School massacre took place, uh, God just really used that to tap me on the shoulder and focus me full time toward reaching and mobilizing the next generation. And I began to realize the best way I could serve the church is, is equip the church to reach the teens in their community. So our mission statement over the years has morphed to energizing the church to mobilize youth to gospelize their world. We really work to and through the local church to reach the teens of that community with the gospel. So when you, when you, when you go to mobilize the church, when you go to energize the youth and engage the parents, um, keeping in mind the, the, the Columbine incident, where is the church falling short? And this may be a, a, a sensitive question. So take it for the spirits and intended it's intended, Greg, where is the church falling short in addressing, uh, issues, uh, like, like Columbine issues, like, uh, depression and social rejection and bullying. Well, let me, let me start by saying this. I love the church. Um, the church is the bride of Christ and the church is my friend, Dave Gibson says is God's plan. A there is no plan B for reaching the world. So I love the church and I love the local church and I love pastors. and I love youth pastors and I love those who invest their lives in reaching teenagers. I think what's happened is we have received a box called youth ministry. And in that youth ministry box, it was given to us by a youth ministry forefathers. There's a lot of cool stuff in the box. There's dodgeball, there's pizza, there's self-image talks, there's worship songs, a lot of good, there's camps, there's retreats, there's, you know, big stuff. It's great, good, great stuff, good stuff. The problem is there's some things missing in the box that really are necessary uh, to mobilize the next generation. And so three years ago, three or four years ago, we did a massive research project. We identified seven values that were in every high-performing youth ministry that was reaching um, 25% new conversion growth per year. So in other words, they, 25% of their group every year was, was due to new disciples being reached and plugged in. And so those seven values were common to all of them. I cross-checked it with the book of Acts, all over the book of Acts. And I looked at these values. And I'm like, these are not typically in youth ministry. And so I think where we're falling short is really getting back to the elemental roots of what we're called to do as a church and in youth ministry. So for instance, I'll give you a couple of those values. Number one value is intercessory prayer. So the youth ministries that were really reaching their communities were had intercessory prayer as the engine, not the caboose on the ministry train. And a typical youth ministry spends more time in announcements than in accessory prayer. For those of us not not completely familiar with church jargon, what is intercessory prayer? So intercessory prayer is the kind of prayer where we are interceding or praying on behalf of each other or the lost. So we're praying for each other to be strengthened in our faith, uh, maybe praying for each other to be healed physically if there's a, is a if there's a physical problem, praying for the lost to become saved and for the saved believer to become sanctified. And when Paul wrote to first uh, to Timothy in first Timothy chapter two, he said, first of all, I want you to program in prayer, intercessions, thanksgiving, supplications, 
because God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So the number one thing we need to be doing when we gather together is praying. And that's not true in the typical church. It's not true in a typical youth ministry. We, we use prayer like holy water. You know, we open the service up, you know, yeah, Lord help us. And we close it out with some holy water and then we move on. But we're not really calling out to God for revival and transformation. And so that's the number one. The second value is relational evangelism. And what that means is teens reaching their peers, their social circle with the gospel, teens engaging their friends in gospel conversations, uh, teens reaching teens. And that's where we see really massive uh, movement when it comes to youth ministry growth, because teens reaching teens, I, and I, to be honest with you, just to kind of back up, Joe, I, tell my story. If you don't care, if I can kind of tell how this impacted me growing up, is that okay? Absolutely. Go ahead. So I was raised in a, what I would say, not a typical religious church-going, pew-sitting, hymn-singing family. I was raised in a family full of bodybuilding, tobacco-chewing, beer-drinking thugs. And, you know, that's just the women. I mean, it was a tough family growing up. My family were, 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 were big, you know, tough, in and out of jail, bodybuilder kind of guys. Uh, my mom, I had five uncles. Uh, three of them were bodybuilders. The fourth one was a, a could bench press 500 pounds. The fifth one was a Golden Gloves boxer. My mom was the only girl in the group, and she could fight with the best of them. And uh, the Denver Mafia knew my uncles as the crazy brothers. So when the Mafia thinks your family's dysfunctional, it's not good, right? right. And we lived in the highest crime area of North Denver. And again, I just watched a lot of violence growing up as a kid. I never knew my biological father. Mom was a partier, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's this preacher that plants a church in the suburbs. His nickname is Yankee, even though he speaks with a Southern accent. It sounds totally made up, but it's true. He reaches my toughest uncle on a dare, my Uncle Jack, who just went to be with the Lord yesterday. Jack had never heard the gospel. Jack had been in prison for choking two cops unconscious who were trying to arrest him on assault charges in and out of jail. He spent time in the prison for the criminally insane. Uh, he looks like a beefed-up version of the Wolverine. He literally does and was angry and always just, you know, in fights. And they lived, my family lived to brawl. Well, Yankee shares the gospel with him. He doesn't, he's expecting Yankee to tell him all about, he's got to give up his drinking and smoking and chew and all this. If he wants to, you know, be accepted by God. Well, Yankee tells him a whole different thing. He says, listen, Jesus came for sinners just like you. And he's, he will change you from the inside out. He's not, he's not going to try to, you know, He's not going to ask you to drop your beer or do all this before you come to him. You believe that Jesus died for you on the cross and rose again. He died for you, all your sins, past, present, and future. And you trust in him alone to forgive you for your sins. And you will receive everlasting life, and he will come to dwell inside you and change you from the inside out. But it's not by being good. Uh, it's not by going to church. It's by faith alone in Christ alone. And he said, does that make sense? And Jack, he talk like this. He's like, hell yeah. That was the sinner's prayer was hell yeah. <laughs> he put his faith in Christ and he began to reach. He went the next day to the meatpacking place where he worked. He led another bodybuilder named Thumper to Christ. Thumper said, come on, tell my whole family this. Led their whole Italian Catholic family to a relationship with Christ. And uh, it began to spread. My, it began to spread in my family. I got involved in Yankees youth ministry. 
Yankee had 800 teenagers in the youth ministry. We only had 300 adults in the church. But Yankee believed teens came to Christ quicker and spread the gospel faster. And so he trained us how to share our faith, uh, how to live our faith, and we were expected to share the gospel. And not only do we go out to the shopping malls on Friday night and engage other teenagers in the gospel, but we created relationships with our neighborhood friends uh, and, and our friends at school, and we began to make and multiply disciples. And it is the, it is the strategy. So when I'm talking about this gospel-advancing ministry strategy, we actually have a, a website, gospeladvancing.com, that, that teaches youth leaders how to do that. I'm not talking about some pie-in-the-sky theoretical thing. I'm talking about a strategy and a philosophy of ministry that utterly transformed my family. It took me from a, an inner-city street kid who never knew his biological father, who was scared all the time, not only in my neighborhood, but in my family, to a kid who knew he had a daddy in heaven and a purpose on earth, a heavenly father, and a reason to, to live and share my faith. And so for me, the whole Dare to Share Live is a chance to mobilize, to reach those kids who marginalized with a hope of Christ and give them security of an everlasting father and significance of a mission here on earth to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Christ. Hearing your story, Greg is phenomenal. This dare to share, this dare to share ministry seems like a, an extension of the raw, transparent, authentic prayer of hell. Yeah. And it doesn't get much pure in an interesting way than that. Not that we want our kids running around saying, hell yeah, uh, but we want them to be authentic and pure and transparent uh, in, in such a way that if somebody does say the sinner's prayer and it ends in hell yeah, well, that's okay, man. Well, here's the deal is Jesus came to save sinners. You know, and Jesus came to the lost. He was with the worst of the worst, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners, the people that knew they were sinful. And so what we want to do is we want to engage people, like you said, in an authentic way. And so when we train students to share the gospel at Dare to Share, we use three words. We use ask, admire, admit. So ask questions. Get to know where they're at spiritually. Admire what you can about what they believe. And then admit the reason you're a Christian is you're so messed up, you need Jesus to save you. So it really is an authentic way for these students to share the gospel. Instead of saying, hey, you know, I'm going to heaven, you're going to hell, saying, hey, tell me about what you believe. And then, oh, I really like that part of what you believe. That's exciting. Instead of creating an argument, let's create a conversation. And then admit, I mess up all the time, but Jesus came for mess-ups like me. And by the way, he came for you as well. And, and all of a sudden, you're in a conversation. And it's, it's, it's like Jesus, when Jesus was in a conversation with the woman at the well. It was real, it was raw, it was honest, and he was breaking through all sorts of barriers. We need to do that when we share our faith. We need to train our students to do that. And then when we do that, Christianity becomes much more exciting than just going to a meeting, playing a game, um, singing a few songs, and hearing a Bible study. It is a rally point. All that stuff happens too, but it's a rally point for stories in the book of Acts to be continued in our youth ministries. It, through your through your dare to share ministry, every every conversion is 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 an important conversion, and every conversion um, causes angels to rejoice. Uh, every it, God wants us all to come to Him. H- having said that, and in that in that context, 
do you have some do you have some significant stories about conversion stories where 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 somebody that might be in the audience can really relate to wow that sounds just like me yeah we've had so many uh teenagers come to christ i remember when i was in atlanta georgia we just did this drama about these two demons that are just tempting this girl and taunting this girl in the area of cutting and she calls out to christ at the end and and it's just this powerful collision where christ comes out and says i have scars too and and they walk hand in hand off into the audience it just is beautiful students are weeping lincoln bruce was up closing in a song and i get a tap on my shoulder and i look down and there's this girl and she just says i'm done and I go, okay, I didn't know what she was talking about. She dropped a razor blade into my hands and I still was clueless. And then she lifted up her sleeve and showed me all the deep cuts. She was a cutter. And at that moment, when she dropped that razor blade into my hands, uh, she was really dropping into the arms of Jesus. And her youth leader came up and they just wept and collapsed in each other's arms. And her friends came up and there's this huddle in the middle of 6,000 teenagers right up front while Lincoln Brewster is leading in worship. And then that same girl, Haley, went back and started a ministry for cutters to help minister to them and to begin to continue to bring the hope that she had through Christ to others. And God used her in a powerful, powerful way. It was awesome. And different stories like that we've seen over the years happen um, again and again with teenagers uh, because they, they come to Christ quicker, they spread the gospel faster. And that's why that's what we're doing the Dare to Share Live. We just feel like that live simulcast event could really spread that message of hope quicker coast to coast. We have, we have host sites in Alaska all the way to Puerto Rico. And so we want to see this entire nation and the, the, you know, the, the region of Puerto Rico as well reached with the gospel of Christ to an army of teenagers, just like Haley who have received that message of Christ and now want to spread it to their friends. One interesting aspect of youth ministry is are those are those uh, Christians who have been brought up in the church and don't have that that dramatic conversion experience? Uh, in fact, I was this was several years back. I was I was talking with a friend of mine, and she actually at, at, in the moment she felt like she wasn't a good enough Christian, and she could not she could not evangelize effectively evangelize. Uh, because she didn't have a dramatic conversion story, do you see that a lot in the church and that in that in that holding holding teenagers back? Yeah, and I have a friend I travel with named Zane Black, who was this you know extreme snowboarder and you know partier at one point a drug dealer as a young guy, and he was radically saved. You know, he ended up unconscious on a movie theater floor, almost died. He tells his story, and then he tells the kids afterward. Now, most of you probably don't have a story like this, and you may feel like, man, I was just raised in a church. I don't have a story to share. He said, let me just tell you something. He goes, your salvation story is much better than my salvation story, because I was eaten literally, uh, metaphorically, out of the trash can. So Christ seemed like such a good thing. You guys were raised in it, and you chose Christ anyway. Um, you didn't, you know, you didn't say no to it, even though you saw it all around. For me, it looked so good. For you guys, it was just your context. And so 
he really has done a really good job of infusing hope into the hearts of Christian teens who don't feel like they have a dramatic story. One of the things we tell students, some of you have a, a dramatic before story, um, but all of you are going to have a dramatic, you can have a dramatic after story. Um, and so whether it's a dramatic before story, we all can have a dramatic after story as we lean into Christ. And then the other thing that comes when it, when it comes to sharing your testimony, at the end of the day, Sharing a powerful testimony is awesome, but a testimony is not what saves. <clears throat> the gospel of Christ is what transforms lives. And so what I tell students is share the gospel and tie in your story if you, you know, as you can. But really, at the end of the day, it's about God's story. So share that message, and you will be creating stories as you do. So when these Christian teenagers, I'll give you an example. I was uh, asked to teach uh, a Bible study at a local public school years ago. And so I went there, and it was after-school Bible study, and there's 20 kids in a circle, one kid with a guitar, they all had their Bibles. And I'm like, you know, it's a beautiful Colorado spring day, there's a park next door, right next to the school, let's go sit under that big tree. And they freaked out, they're like, no, that's where all the kids hang out after school. I go, perfect, it'll be a great living example. And so these kids were terrified as we walked the, the single file line of, you know, the walk of shame with their Bibles and a guitar through this kids smoking and joking and laughing outside. And we sat under the tree and you could hear people making fun, little, you know, the blue Bible thumpers and Jesus freaks. And we had a saying at Dare to Share, awkward is awesome. Uh, and so that was, a, that was awesome because with, it was super awkward. With your khaki and, pants uh, and, your, and your polo shirts. Yeah, there you go. That's right. And so the kid with the guitar starts singing Rich Mullins, you know, God is an awesome God, but he's whisper worshiping, you know, because he doesn't want to be too loud because kids are all around. So I take about, I got about an hour. I take 20 minutes and I just motivate them to share the gospel. And I get done. I go, okay, now we're going to do it. The Bible says doers of the word, not hearers only. And they look at me like, what? I go, well, we're going to actually do evangelism now. And they're like, well, uh, what do you mean? I go, well, there's lost kids all around us, so we're going to go engage in gospel conversations. I go, you guys pray. And I looked at the kid on my left. I go, what's your name? He goes, uh, Josh. I go, see those three girls over there? We're going to go talk to them. He goes, uh, I know them. I go, good, you can introduce me. And boom, I grab him, and I start walking over there, and he starts like, it looks like he's having a seizure, you know, as we're walking over these girls. And I go, hey, my name's Greg. This is Josh. And I'm like, hi, Josh. And he's like, hi. And so <laughs> I began to talk to them, and they're so open. It almost seemed like a setup. They were so open to the gospel. They all trusted Christ. By the time we're done, Josh was totally transformed. He goes, that is awesome. He goes, welcome to the family of God. He goes, you're like a little baby, but now you got to grow. And he's doing all these hand motions wow. along with it, like he's in an Awana wow. class or something. And he goes, you got to come to youth group. And they're like, okay, calm down, Josh. He goes, I'm serious. They go, okay, that's good. We'll come, come down. And so we go back to the group. And he is now having a seizure for a whole different reason. And they look up from their prayer because they were providing air support. They said, what happened? He goes, he goes, they all trusted Christ. They're coming to youth group with me. And he looks up at this other kid. He goes, hey, that kid's a Mormon. I'm getting him. And he runs over. They go, hold on. And so kids are jumping up, talking to other students. Uh, they're coming back with stories. Everybody else is in a circle praying. And all of a sudden, that, that small Bible study went from a meeting to a mission. And that's exactly what we need to do with our youth ministries. We need to missionize them. We need to make them about making and multiplying disciples. It's because that's exactly what Jesus said we're to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. Not sit in a circle and sing. Go and make disciples. Now, again, we 
singing is great, and Bible study is great, necessary. We need to do that. It's important. I'm not saying we dump that out of the youth ministry box, but we have to add an intentional, loving, bold gospel conversations that are expected of our teenagers. So that means we need to train them and equip them and mobilize them. We need to inspire them, equip them, and mobilize them. And again, that's what Dare to Share does. We have a website, daretoshare.org, provides tools and resources, books, curriculum. And we have daretosharelive.org. And it's the number two, daretoshareLive.org. Or we're going to do that on September 23rd, mobilize, God willing, 50,000 teenagers in a single day for hundreds of thousands of gospel conversations. And then launch that into a year round. Let's, let's take this nation for Jesus Christ. So you've, you've touched on this a little bit and we've talked kind of weaved in the conversation, this dare to share live event. And, and there's a lot that we can talk about with you, Greg, you've, you've written a dozen books. You've been in youth ministry for a long time and made an impact for the kingdom. Uh, but we have, we've talked intermittently and we've weaved it into the conversation, this dare to share live event, but I don't want it to get lost because this is an important event. Take us through dare to share live again. When is it? What it, what can, what can students expect? What can parents expect? What can the church do to support dare to share live and where, where dare to share live will take youth from that event forward. Yeah, so Dare to Share Live is a one-day simulcast event that'll be live from Denver. We'll have 10th Avenue North, Propaganda, Zane Black, the guy I was telling you about earlier, myself, the skit guys, others. Um, And it's going to be broadcast to, right now we have 59 host sites across the nation. And in every one of those churches, there's a live band. So it'll be a live worship band for that room and a live MC slash trainer. There's no tape delay. So what's happening on the East Coast is happening on the West Coast. So a 9 a.m. start on the West Coast, a noon start on the East Coast. The reason we're doing that is we're going to have a Dare to Share Live app where there'll be a live feed with a hashtag where students in Brooklyn can talk to students in San Diego, can talk to students in uh, Cincinnati all at the same time. So they'll be simultaneously trained and equipped. It'll go back and forth from the live feed to what's happening in those host sites. and then. Three hours in, all all the students will be challenged to unleash their social media for the gospel. And on the Dare to Share Live app will be four video gospel conversation starter videos. So they don't give the gospel, but they ask a question to their friends. So students can put it out on Snapchat. uh, They can put it out on Instagram. uh, They can put it on Facebook. And it will be stirring up social media gospel conversations. They can send it to an individual friend or a group of friends. And then at the same time, those students will be taken out to go door to door to collect canned food for local rescue missions and share the gospel with the people they engage. Uh, and so our goal is 50,000 students trained in the day, 300,000 gospel conversations, and then they come back. Uh, for a national prayer and praise party where we're going to challenge them to make this more than a one-day event, make make daring to share your faith an everyday event. And so we're, we've been working really hard, praying really hard that God would do something significant. So I would challenge youth leaders, pastors, adults to get tickets for students. Uh, all you got to do is go to daretoshare.live.org, and it's the number two, daretoshare.live.org. Click on, you know, the closest city to you. You may have to road trip, 
a little bit, but there's 59 host sites. So there's, you know, plenty to choose from uh, and choose which city you want to go to, get your tickets and be part, be part of the party uh, and be part of what God is going to do on that day. The other thing I would really challenge listeners to do is 923, September 23rd. Uh, I use that 923 as a reminder, a prompt. So every morning at 923, my my alarm goes off. It's a, In the morning, it's Bon Jovi living on a prayer. And at night, 923 p.m., it's To Hell with the Devil by Striper. And I stop and I pray for September 23rd that God would make that event a rally point for a national revival and spiritual awakening that will sweep this nation. So I would invite uh, adults to get your kids out, to buy tickets, to tell your pastors and youth pastors about it and get them on board with this. And I would also challenge them to pray with me at 923 every day for revival on September 23rd. September 23rd will be here before you know it. Uh, do you, are you looking for more host sites or are those settled? This year, we still have 30 more contracts extended that we're waiting on people to get responses to, um, but we're pretty much settled on where we're going to be. I, we'll probably end up with about 70 Perfect. sites, but right now, uh, we have 59. We're kind of locked in. What, what tools or what resources can we access right now uh, that will help us with our evangelism and, uh, more importantly, in context of this conversation, help us speak to youth? Well, there are two apps at Dare to Share that will really help equip uh, teenagers to share their faith, but also provide a tool, not just for teens, but adults to share the gospel. The first app is called Dare to Share. It's a number two, Dare to Share. It's free on iTunes, Google Play. Just go to the App Store. And it equips teenagers to share the gospel of Christ. To be honest with you, it's the same training I would use with adults. Uh, years ago, I traveled with Promise Keepers, and we were able to train 185,000 men how to share their faith using these same principles that are on the dare to share app so i really challenge every anybody listening to download the dare to share app again it's a number two and it will equip you and your teams to share the gospel there's another app that's evangelistic it's like a gospel track that explains the gospel it's called life in six words and it's a numeric six life in six words and it basically when it opens up it has 14 different words and you ask somebody, if you were to describe your life in six words, what would they be? And they choose six words out of these 14 words. And then you ask them, why did you choose those words? And you get a chance to listen to their story. And I've had complete strangers break down in tears as they explain why they chose those six words. And then you say, would you like to see how the Bible may describe life in six words? And then you take them through the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. And it's got, it's got this beautifully... Um, designed graphics as you walk through a very, very compelling tool. I've used it at least over a hundred times personally with other adults and teenagers. I've never been turned down once to go through the app. That's, that's compelling because I've never had that with any other evangelistic tool I've ever used. So both are free. Both are on the app store, dare to share and life in six words. Greg, I, I, I got a, I got a couple of personal questions about your faith. If, if you don't mind sharing actually one, one significant one, uh, because you shared a lot about how you came to Christ and your own personal conversion experience, uh, as dramatic as that was. And as long as you've been in the, uh, the ministry as a, as a lead pastor and as a youth minister, 
Have you ever had a time where you doubted your faith or even the existence of God? No, I really, I really haven't. And I know a lot of people go through that. I just didn't. And I think the reason is I saw such a dramatic transformation in my family growing up that once, you know, Jesus got a hold of me and my family, I just knew it was real. Now, I've had challenges of living out my faith for sure. Uh, early on in my marriage, when I was a pastor, one night in a Bible study, uh, my wife had gotten, my wife and I had gotten in an argument before we got to the Bible study and in the Bible study circle, but the guy who was leading us said, let's just go around and see how we're doing. I'm like, oh no. And it ended up with this, this huge argument with my wife in front of God and everyone. And, you know, early on we had some marriage struggles that nobody knew about. Well, the prayer chain lit up, everybody knew about it after that. And, you know, God, you know, used that church to rally around us and really help us through our, our challenges uh, as a, as a newly married couple. So, I mean, there's tons of stuff I still struggle with. I mean, there's not, but, but Christ has always been kind of that gravitational pull kind of keep pulling me back to him. And I've never doubted, I've never doubted um, his existence or that he, he loves me unconditionally and that he's the answer. Because again, I saw it transform my, transform my entire family. Finally, as we, as we wrap up, Greg, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? I would, I would tell you the exact same thing I tell teenagers, that God, God created you to be in a relationship with Him. He loves you, cares about you. and But our sins, they separate us from God. And one sin, one thing wrong can keep us out of God's heaven, but also out of a relationship with Him because He's a perfect and holy God. So although He loves us, uh, his his heart is broken because he's a holy guy and can't be around sin. And so the sins can never be removed by good deeds. It's like putting white frosting on a burnt cake. If you if you try to be good enough, you're just covering up the mess uh, in, in all of our hearts. Uh, so paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Jesus Christ uh, came to the earth 2,000 years ago. He lived the perfect life we could never live. And he died a horrible death in our place for our sin. He died for us. Uh, and he rose again. And now everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. So it's not a matter of crying harder. It's a matter of trusting in what Jesus did for you when he died for your sins on the cross. And that life with Jesus, it starts now and it lasts forever. Uh, you enter into a personal, permanent relationship with God that can never be broken by you and will never be broken by him. So that is the gospel. And that is good news. That's what the word gospel means. And so if you've been hesitating, I challenge you right now, put your faith in Christ. Uh, you can say the silent prayer in your heart to God, God, I'm a sinner, I've messed up, but I believe that Jesus died for me, and I trust in him alone to forgive me for all my sins. And when you put your faith in him, you are saved, you are born again, you're adopted into the family of God, not because you said a prayer, but because you trusted in the only person in this universe qualified to save your soul, Jesus Christ. And I challenge you after that, man, start reading your Bible and going to church, not because you have to, to go to heaven but because you've entered into this new fraternity of believers and you want to grow deep in your faith and begin to tell other people about it. And I'd also challenge you to tell somebody about that in the next 24 hours. Start spreading the good news, just like my Uncle Jack did so many years ago. I don't think we can say anything more than that, Greg. Just a reminder, there is nothing wrong with a simple hell yeah prayer. Uh, the event is, is Dare to Share Live. Uh, Greg Steer, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. 
Yo, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother. Greg's blog can be found at gregsteer.org. And be sure to check out daretoshare.live.org for details on the September 23rd live event. These links, as well as all the other links mentioned in today's show, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 79. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 79. Well, that will wrap up today's show. Thank you to Greg Steer for being with us, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. 